Hello, and welcome to this episode of 10,000 Posts. It's the show about how everything is posting. My name is Hussein. Uh, I don't know if I sound weird on this one. I'm in a kind of newish recording place for reasons. And all I can say is that it's very dark and very small. Hussein is uh, is joining us from his underground bunker. Um, Interpol <laughs> are after him. So uh, if you do know his location, please do not disclose it um i'm phoebe i have um i have an answer to a question um from a listener from the episode that was out that was out last week um which was asking for my new calendar what i'm going to do with what i'm going to do with november am i going to make october and december longer but i'm i'm reorganizing the whole calendar like i'm not going to make any months longer or shorter it's it's going to be it's going to be a full from the ground up rearrangement, but there is going to be a tenth month called December, as is correct. Just to just to kind of clarify, clarify, just that. to clarify, just to clear up any confusion about that. Uh yeah. And on speaking of which, uh, we have a cool guest this week. Uh, someone who, and we're also going to do it. We're doing another episode of the history series. Uh, and uh, before we kind of get into the topic of that, uh, to intro our guest, a uh, good uh, friend of all the pods, and also uh, one of the one of the hosts of uh, Chopper Trap House, uh, Matt Chrisman. Matt, how's it going? Good. Thanks for having me. Uh, we're really excited to have you on, and we're really excited to talk about uh, the subject uh, because you did a podcast that kind of talked about him recently. But also, I think whenever we talk about posting and we talk about like the original posters, um, this guy comes up. We are, of course, talking this uh, on this episode about Martin Luther um, and the uh, and 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 the fame and the famous theses. I can't say that word. Uh, but, uh, the, the famous theses that uh, was pinned to the door. Uh, and is kind of like one of these very important historical documents for lots of reasons to talk about. But crucially, whenever I was sort of Googling um, Martin Luther and the thesis, like it doesn't take that long for someone to sort of say that, yeah, it was the original post or the original shit post. And I'd be interested, Matt, in like your opinions on like whether that is necessarily the correct way of thinking about it, but also like one of the things that we have spoken about is just like the tendency of posting and sort of the impulses to post and how that is seen throughout history and the ways in which that those impulses are kind of similar now. Uh, but in some ways in back in history, like it or another historical period seems more impactful. Um, so yeah, I guess like as a starting point for people who may not kind of be aware of Mar of who Martin Luther is or why he's important uh, to, I guess, this conversation. Uh, Matt, do you want to like give us like a brief kind of introduction uh, as to uh, what who he is and also just like why you were interested in him as part of like your other po like, podcast series? So Martin Luther, I would absolutely agree, was the original poster. He invented modern posting. He created the paradigm that said, if you don't like something about the world, you can, if you write enough about it uh, with enough passion and enough verve and enough commitment, the world will break open around you and around your critique. And we've been chasing that high really ever since. Uh, and <laughs> so uh, Martin Luther was a, a 16th century uh, Franciscan monk who by the early 15th, 15, uh, or by the late 15 teens was a uh, living in the Saxon city of uh, Wittenberg and he was preaching he was ministering to the citizens but he was 
deeply uh, alienated from the church that he was a member of. Specifically, it's the way that it was treating the question of uh, what got you into heaven? What, 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 what was salvation? Uh, because by this point, the uh, Catholic Church, especially in Northern Europe, had become this transactional machine. Uh, and, and in order to raise revenue for things like St. Peter's Basilica and for uh, the mm. wealth of local bishops, was literally selling get-out-of-purgatory-early cards. and They were called indulgences. Mm. Uh, indulgences were one of many ways that yeah, a person could intercede on behalf of their dead relatives to reduce the amount of time that they had to spend in purgatory before going to heaven. And because very few people uh, imagined that they would go to hell mm. uh, during this period, because if you were part of Christendom, you were in this sort of gigantic bureaucratic structure that was guaranteed to get you to heaven eventually. But you would, they invented this concept of purgatory uh, to maintain the necessity of the church as an, as an interceding body. Mm. So if you went to a pilgrimage site and saw a, a St. Shinbone, that would get time off of purgatory. If you paid for masses for a relative to be said by a local priest, that would get you them out of purgatory. And if you bought, if bought these certificates, that got time out of purgatory. Uh, and Luther was incredibly bothered by this. He thought that it was perverting uh, the entire concept uh, of, uh, of salvation and was uh, distorting people's understanding of what God was, what grace was. So he started uh, trying to push back against what the church was doing. And he started doing that in the way that... Uh, religious scholars like him traditionally did, which was to go through the channels of academic debate. Mm. Before his thesis, the, the theses on indulgences were posted, he had uh, another bunch of theses about uh, the scholastics and their concepts mm. of uh, salvation and, and their fixation on, on good works as, as an expression of salvation. And he put those through the regular channels and, and tried to initiate an academic disputation. Uh, and nobody really cared. Uh, it was pretty much ignored. But when he went after indulgences, which were a load-bearing financial structure of the church, uh, and did so by issuing the theses not only in the form of the dramatic uh, uh, list nailed to the door of the Wittenberg Cathedral, but also published them in vernacular German instead of in scho uh, scholarly Latin, mm. he broke open. Uh, this logjam around the church that had existed uh, for a while and people who had never really had words for their disquiet with the church found them in the form of Luther's writings. Mm. And the Reformation starts as a grassroots movement of post readers, of people who read his posts that are coming off of printing presses uh, and in the towns of northern Germany, spark spontaneously reorganizing their churches uh, along the lines that he imagined. And eventually it becomes this unstoppable tide. And then the princes of uh, the Holy Roman Empire start using it to their advantage because uh, the, the church that Luther envisions is one that would allow them to have more power vis-a-vis -vis the emperor and uh, Rome, and also to keep a lot of that money in their principalities instead of letting it go away in the form of indulgences. 
So, but all of this happens because of his post. That's it. He wasn't a warrior. He wasn't a politician. He was a poster first and foremost. And because of the <laughs> culture of the emergent culture of literacy, uh, and the, the ma- first time really that you see in Europe mass literacy, uh, and this technology of the printing press that facilitates uh, fast transmission of messages across wide geographic areas, people are able to engage with these posts in a way that nobody ever had before. And because the question that he was posing was so vital to people, uh, the destination of their souls, uh, it created a market for printed material that hadn't really existed uh, before. The, the printing press was generations old at that point, but printing industry by, that, uh, by the time of Luther was still relatively small and very risky mm. because no one could anticipate demand for uh, any printed material. But once Luther starts posting, uh, he becomes a brand and mm-hmm. anything associated with him becomes incredibly attractive to consumers. And so a printing industry springs up all over uh, Germany to put out Luther's uh, content. And it has this revolutionary effect on Western civilization. And so I think mm-hmm. we've really all been chasing that high ever since. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so this is this is a that is a that is a fantastically rich introduction. Um, there are a couple of things that I wanted to like pick out before we uh, before we kind of talk a bit more about his sort of social and cultural context and the stuff that he was actually that he was actually writing or if you like that he was posting about. Fine, 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 fine. If we insist. Um, the last time last time we did one of these episodes, we talked about uh, we talked about Peter Abelard. And we were talking about the uh, the the ways the ways in which, specifically, the mechanisms uh, by which uh, people before the printing press are distributing their material and um, and and sort of how that works. And uh, our guest explained to us that uh, how that worked was it was written up uh, on the basis of uh, of hearing sermons, mainly by the mainly within universities, like wherever, like in whatever capacity that might be, because some universities were under royal charter, some universities were um, were connected with the church, some universities were set up by the students themselves. Um, there was sort of there was a kind of great, great kind of diversity of um of type of university, even in that period and even in the kind of two centuries before. Um, so they started being ri- sort of written up at university and then they started getting kind of passed around and people went to see sermons, and then if they liked the sermons, it got written up. But this is obviously this is much less speedy, um, much less like much less reach, much more, uh, much like much less kind of um, much less kind of accuracy in in reproduction. It's like it's a whole different kind of uh, kind of cultural production. Um, but what I'm interested in, and also like of course the printing press, it's like this is. This is new in Europe, but it's not. It's not new in the rest of the world. They had. Right. They had like, I think. I think the first. I think the first automated printing press was maybe like a hundred years before, but that was in Korea and in China. They they were doing the kind of the woodblock printing. Um, but obviously, like it's important that this is a new technology for Europe. Um, but what I think is interesting is how uh, someone like Luther is um is taking advantage of these new technologies and using them to form uh form kind of com- sort of communities both intellectual and religious communities around himself 
um i think that is like a kind of interesting thing to kind of try and pick at a little bit and whether or not that was his intention or whether or not he saw this new technology or newish technology as just a way to reach as many people as possible i was wondering if you thought that his intention all along was to um was to start was to start a movement and to start um and to start a kind of a community of readers in the way that there would have been a kind of new community of uh, consumers of the news, say. Um, I think he wanted to to reach people in a, in authority in the church at first, yeah, who weren't listening to him. Sure, and, and the the publication of the material was a way to to force them to pay attention. Uh, because his original in, his original vision was to have the church see the error of their ways through his obviously correct interpretation, because that was how he felt about it. Like he had discovered the true uh, nature of faith and divinity, and and the what the scriptures actually meant, and that when confronted with this, the church would be forced to reform. Mm. Uh, and that was the original goal. And it was only after that the church officials responded by denying it, by eventually uh, excommunicating him, that he uh, decided, okay, I guess there's going to have to be a, a new church, a new purified church that mm. will have to come into conflict with this new, this fallen church, which actually uh, turns out run by the devil. Turns <laughs> out... Uh, it's Antichrist mm -hmm. in, in Rome. I didn't think that at first, but they've proven it to be the case. Mm -hmm. And then he set about uh, gaining the supporters, uh, specifically uh, the most powerful people in the empire, to create a structure that could support a new church mm. uh, and defend itself against Rome and the Holy Roman Empire. So what? Yeah. So it was as you, as as you said, it was a, it was a grassroots movement, but its target were the structures and apparatus of power, and he had powerful supporters, right? Yes, uh, he was only able to uh, survive those early years of confrontation with the church because the elector of Saxony, where he lived, uh, who who lived in Wittenberg, uh, uh, Frederick the Wise, they called him. Uh, supported him and defended him, even though he was a Catholic who never publicly converted and who had thousands of uh, uh, relics in the Wittenberg Cathedral, which were like the pride of his collection. But uh, he uh, protected Luther after the Diet of Worms uh, when he refused to recant in front of the Holy Roman Emperor, and he was in danger of being declared an outlaw. and. Uh, and uh, a subject of execution by anyone who came across him, uh, Frederick the Wise staged a uh, fake kidnapping of him and secured him in a castle uh, where he started uh, translating the New Testament into German uh, and also sent tons of uh, uh, <clears throat> correspondence out and about to supporters. Uh, and while he was in that castle, the, the, the movement just spread out of his control. Uh, in fact, while he was away in Wittenberg, uh, a, a, a bunch of people showed up, these prophets, these the Zwickwau prophets, these three guys who were not ordained priests, they were not uh, religious scholars, they were just three people who were 
seized by the Spirit, showed up in Wittenberg and started preaching much more radically than Luther did about, about how if we are saved by God's grace, then we don't need the church, but then we also don't need these uh, structures of noble control that dominate our lives. Mm. And uh, Luther was frantically writing to his uh, associates in Wittenberg, telling them to get these guys to shut up. You didn't want that. <laughs> this isn't what it means. Stop that. No. And that's help, one of the most stop helping. Uh, stop helping. Yeah. Because as soon as it emerges and gets beyond his control, uh, other people start doing what Luther did, looking at the mm. Bible with their own heart and trying mm. to come to understand what it means through their own interaction with it and came to different conclusions than Luther did, which he found absolutely galling and infuriating mm. uh, because that's, that was not right. They were clearly incorrect. They were, they had to be inspired by the devil because he knew the correct answer to these. And one of the things that makes Luther the first real poster is his incredibly uh, venomous invective. Mm. Uh, he was not polite about his condemnation of people he thought were doing wrong. Uh, he was used crude language, uh, mm. <clears throat> insults, uh, anything, anything, uh, the kind of stuff anyone who's been on a forum or on a social media page is absolutely familiar with. <laughs> uh, he was, in fact, uh, there is a website uh, that has a Luther insult generator. Uh, where you can just click on a button and it will pop up from his writings an, an insult <laughs> that he was hurling at somebody. Uh, and I got a few here. Yeah, tell us. We should roundly renounce, denounce you, the devil's messengers, as rascals, villains, poisonous evil worms. Or even if you are good friends of ours, we should denounce you as mad fools and stupid persons. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's really yeah. good. Yeah. You blubber and writhe along with all the devils in hell. That'd go down well in the group yeah. chat. Yeah. No. No. I, re I, I. No. I really like that. I'm coming round. I'm coming round to this guy. Um. I sure. I sure <laughs> hope he didn't say anything. Anything bad because we wouldn't want to have to have to uh, disavow old Luther just when, <laughs> just, when I'm, just, when I'm get, just when I'm getting to like him. Yeah, like he wrote a, he wrote a pamphlet called Against the Roman Papacy, an Institution of the Devil. Mm -hmm. And in it, he wrote, you are such outrageous, shameless blockheads. That's good. Yeah, that's really good. It's straying into like it's straying into kind of compound swearing, but I think he holds back. At the last well, minute, I mean, again, you know, you got to give him credit for being the first one. Yeah, exactly. If he invented <laughs> it, then like it's like you, you can't really critique him on, the, on sort of those grounds. Would would he have been familiar with the work of a uh, kind of prior uh, sort of proto Protestant types? Would he have been familiar with like the Lollards, or would that just not have reached him? Uh, well, he he obviously was. Uh, very well read, mm. uh, but I think the thing that really catalyzed his his uh, opposition to the church as it was was not the work of any specific proto uh, Protestant group, but uh, Erasmus's publication of the Greek New Testament mm -hmm. uh, and encountering the Bible in a new translation uh, was really sobering for him because. It showed just how many of the institutions and traditions of the church were not scripturally based. Mm. And it was that disconnect that really gnawed at him. And then seeing mm. uh, a path to salvation become a 
uh, a literal fiscal transaction. Uh, this became too much to bear. So it was his primary objection to the idea of a church as a as, of the church as business. Yeah. I had a question about the thesis. Sorry, Phoebe, were you going to say something? No, or... I was going to say I was going to ask a question about um, the indulgences, just because I think it's what. Well, just because I think it's I I think it's I think it's such I think it's such a I think it's such a fun idea. Well, yeah. I love that it's it's sort of it's like it's like pre it's like kind of pre-sale tickets or like yeah or like <laughs> or like speed cameras in really kind of like low yeah. traffic no, areas. It's just like go 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 ask that because I also have some thoughts on it. Also based on the fact that ba- like. What I realized when I was reading this was that Shia Islam basically does have indulgences. Mm. Um, and so I could prime myself up to become like Shia Martin Luther. But I can talk about that once you ask the question. Okay, well, honestly, I'm desperate to hear about that, to be, to be honest with you. But um, something that I think is something I think is like super interesting about the conception of kind of, of heaven, hell and purgatory um, around around this period. And, you know, in this kind of in the period in the period before is that people, I think, have formed the idea now that purgatory is a kind of limbo waiting room. But that's not right, is it? Purgatory is like, purgatory is just as terrible as hell. It's just you're not there for eternity. You're there for like a period of time while your soul's getting cleaned, as is my understanding. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And it is such a wonderful idea that this, that this, institution which has so much who has so much control over the over every single sort of structure and aspect of of people's of people's lives it's it's a kind it's a it has like it has like both uh it has both kind of cultural social and sort of spiritual authority that they're still like yeah but there is a way of getting round of getting round this stuff. There is a way of um, of expunging your sins, and that's by and that's by giving us money. And like, and you can and you can and you can see why somebody who um, who who is taking their both their spirituality and like the spirituality of the community around them would would say, but that's that's bullshit. Either either you're going either you're going to pre hell or. Or, or you're not. You shouldn't be able to buy your way out of it. That's, that's obviously that's obvious bullshit. Um, and I just think it's, I just think it's a, re- I think it's a really interesting thing to have come up with. And it is, in a way, surprising that there was, that that the kind of resistance to it was in kind of these very, uh, kind of sort of small contained, obviously, which which then sort of gr- sort of grew up and, and spread about, but. Just the idea that they were just like, yeah, yeah, this is fine. This is a good. This is a good solution to this. And people were just like, yeah, this does. This does sound reasonable. Well, interestingly, it didn't. It was not uh, the concept of purgatory was not emphasized uh, uh, evenly across uh, Western Christendom. Mm. It's it was much more fixated upon in the places that became Protestant in Northern Europe. Uh, and I honestly think part of that is because it was cold and sucked out. You know, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's unpleasant to be around. So you kind of uh, you have to have some sort of uh, tally, you know, for uh, imagining a, a a pass to get to heaven as opposed to in you know the sun drenched climes of southern Europe. Mm. Uh, 
but yeah, they invented purgatory, which is something that a guy like Luther would see from reading the Testament and finding no evidence of it in mm. uh, the Bible itself. And then they created this way to get out of it. Uh, and it, yeah, it, it validated the necessity for a church. You, you need us to yeah. get out of purgatory. And mm. Because it's not enough just to be were, a good and observant person. You're still, yeah. you're still, you're still fucked. But the thing is, is that it, 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 it wasn't really like that because, well, common people, and this was what Luther was really galled by, common people believed that, people, that they were uh, buying their way out of purgatory. Mm. They were only indirectly doing that because it really was more of a pay it forward situation. I see. You could not get indulgences to get yourself out of purgatory because you hadn't died yet. Oh, okay. You could only do it to get relatives who had passed out of purgatory. Ah. But the idea was, mm. well, if I've done that for all of my relatives, then they're going to do that I die, for me. My descendants will okay. do it for me. Okay, so it's like a kind of but, it's like a kind of targeted was, random acts of kindness thing. Yeah, well, I mean, it was a way to maintain like a a a, a socially connected and bonded institution. Mm. Like it extends throughout time from from the ancestors to descendants, and I'm just a part of that chain. Mm. But in and they were also, though, and Luther pointed this out, happy to let people think, yeah, buy that thing and you'll get out of purgatory because, you know, what's the difference? As long as they're dropping their silver into the coffer, it doesn't really matter what they think. Mm. Mm. I mean, it's it's very similar in some ways to Shia Islam, where, like, uh, there is, it's kind of, it's not quite comes, but I, there's another term for it and I can't remember in my head. But if you sort of, like, donate money uh, in the name of like a certain sort of Shia saint, then the idea is that like you can either sort of pay for the past sins of a previous of a family member or like someone of a previous generation, or some people sort of use it so they'll sort of pay the money as part of their kind of like zakat payment, largely on the basis that like I don't think I fucked up, but if I have, then this is just some insurance money to like make sure I kind of get my place in heaven. And that money is sort of used to sort of train like religious scholars in like Iran and stuff, uh, and kind of like just to sort of work on various projects which are connected to like Shia Islam and everything. Um, I, I I can't remember what it's called, and like I'm I I, it, I feel really bad that I can't remember it. But when I was reading, I was like, oh shit, this is exactly the same. Not least because like my parents keep telling me I need to pay this money because they're genuinely quite worried for my soul. <laughs> So <laughs> that, like that, that's 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 super interesting. Is there like, is there some kind of penalty for for, for not for not paying it? No, because I, I think it's still like technically a voluntary payment, but it's one where like you'll sort of be told that yeah, you're you're never quite sure whether like you know you'll be accepted into heaven or not. So you know, best to be on like the safe side. Or if people like genuinely know that they've kind of like one of our family members was just genuinely quite a horrible person then, you know, I'll pay, like, this amount of money in the name of, like, you know, one of the imams and it will be, you know, and kind of it'll help or it might sort of contribute to cleansing cleansing them of their sins. Again, I don't know too much about, like, the actual kind of, like, theological background behind it, but very, very similar and did very much make me think that, like, you know, what they really needed was a piece of paper pinned onto the door. Uh, but what I was going... But actually on that point, like, one of the questions I had about the thesis 
Oh, well, partly maybe we can start with like, what does the thesis actually say? Uh, Matt, you sort of like, uh, you you mentioned it like in your beginning intro, but I think I'd love to sort of know more about the details that maybe people don't kind of, uh, don't pay as much attention to uh, beyond the indulgences. But the second was a thing that I read, which was about uh, the idea that even though Martin Luther like sent the pamphlet, uh, he didn't necessarily, that, that, there's a good chance that he didn't actually pin it to the door of the church. And I wondered well, what, uh, what your thoughts were on that. And that in terms it is, of it has been a, it has been a, a controversy. I think that the, that at this point, the consensus is that he probably did. He might not have, he probably right. did. Yeah. Uh, but what's really interesting is that the idea of the pinning of the, uh, thesis on the cathedral door as the start of the Reformation doesn't really become uh, popular understanding until it's a hundred year anniversary in mm. 1617 mm. Uh, when Frederick, uh, the elector of the Palatinate, who was a prince of the Holy Roman Empire, the only Calvinist, hilariously enough, uh, prince who was uh, had a very ambitious project to uh, claim power in the Holy Roman Empire. Uh, funded a uh, German-wide series of parades, plays, processions. He minted uh, commemorative coins around the 100-year anniversary, specifically of the pinning of the thesis onto the cathedral door uh, as part of his general propaganda campaign to uh, advance his stature in the Holy Roman Empire. And it was at that point that it became understood that this was the beginning of the Reformation, this maybe mythical event. I think he probably did put put it up there, but uh, if he had just put it up there, it would, would not have been a Reformation. It was the publication to a mass audience mm. that made it happen. That's, re- mm. that's, re- that's really interesting. So like it was so in like the kind of contemporary period, it was not that was that was not how it was regarded at all. I mean, it was one event among many. I mean, like we said, he had a, he'd already made one uh, thesis disputation to his higher ups before that, that had been ignored, but it was also a a part of uh, this uh, protest against the church. And then, you know, it it goes past that event too. And it's only retrospectively that you can take the, the specific moments in this flow get pinned as as the beginning of something yeah and how was how was it received at the time in fact uh it in it was hostily received obviously by the church and most of the princes of the empire many of whom would end up becoming lutheran were not too thrilled about this because an attack against the church's uh authority was an attack against their authority Mm. but it was enthusiastically uh taken up by uh, theology students mm-hmm. uh, in Germany and uh, many of the uh, the literate urban population who would be the ones reading these things out of bookstalls. Mm. And the first real reformation happens with the spontaneous reorganization of churches in in cities, where they turf out their old priests, elect their own and elect pre- uh, priests on their own, uh, and reorganize their churches. And the Princes stand uh, kind of aloof from this for a long time. What ends up getting them on to uh, co-opt Luther and to endorse a Lutheran reformation of their churches, uh, in a lot of cases, was 
the uh, Peasants' Revolt of, six, of 1525, mm-hmm. where because while Luther wanted the church to be reformed and I, ideally reformed from within, but then replaced from without if necessary, uh, he had no real problem with the feudal structure as such. In fact, mm-hmm. the, the, his, his attempt to reform the church is really an attempt to save feudalism. Mm-hmm. Uh, but once this critique became generalized, a lot of people took it much farther, like those Zwickwell prophets I talked about, but other priests, other uh, itinerant and, and uh, fixed uh, uh, preachers took it further and, and said, made the connection, like, if, if the church is not necessary to intercede on our behalf, if we are saved by God's grace, then are we not truly able to uh, conduct our own affairs without mm-hmm. being uh, beholden to noble lords? Uh, and that this was a period of uh, intense famine uh, and the imposition of an attempt to reimpose harsh tenant uh, or uh, rents and to enclose common lands in Germany at this time. And by 1625, a bunch of uh, peasants in, in the middle of Germany uh, revolted in piecemeal, but eventually tens of thousands of them against the authority of the church and their feudal lords. Mm. Uh, and Luther uh, was horrified by this. Uh, he did not want that to happen. And uh, at, just as the, the uh, it took a while for the princes to get a response to this. They were taken off uh, guard and it took them a while to uh, muster the necessary military force to put down these rebellions. And just as they were doing it, after having fought off and, and delayed the, the peasants wherever they could, just as they were full-on massacring them. Uh, Luther published a pamphlet called Against the Lying, Murdering Hordes of Peasants, where he uh, says these people are brigands and criminals and they should be killed wherever they are found. Uh, and that actually did a lot to damage Luther's credibility among common people who had responded to the Reformation. In fact, he got uh, stoned at a town that he uh, was visited after that. Uh, but it convinced a lot of the princes of the empire that the Reformation was here to stay, and they would much rather have Luther's version of it mm. than like Thomas Munsters, who was sure. one of the priests, who, uh, the preachers who uh, inspired the peasants' revolt. So, did the did the princes have any influence on the structures of? the church or was it a more of a kind of mutually kind of mutually kind of beneficial arrangement between different structures of power uh well the idea and it what, what it was obviously like as i said luther didn't go into this with an idea of what a different church would look like but when it became clear that one would have to be built uh the, the structure that ended up emerging was one where uh, the magistrates, the the the, the uh, princes of a given territory, would take over the role that had previously been held by the Pope, mm. by the Holy Roman Empire, um, Emperor of appointing bishops, appointing uh, priests, uh, and then uh, also seeing to this was very important, seeing to the literacy uh, of the the citizen. The, uh, Lutheran territories had a big school building spree uh, uh, in a way to promote literacy to the common people so that they could encounter the Bible on their own. Mm. Uh, but yeah, the idea was that while Luther 
had no, he didn't really trust uh, the princes. He thought, he thought that they were mostly uh, selfish scumbags. Mm-hmm. He also did not see any alternative to them uh, because there had to be some structure of hierarchy uh, to promote virtuous life, to promote biblical literacy, to promote uh, the civic engagement that you need to have a, a church. And so they were the best possible stewards of that. Mm. Did he Did he have a, a sense of uh, divine appointment of the nobility, or is that not really... Was that I mean, not really yeah, something like, that he was I into? I think that was, that was one of those things that was beyond conscious thought. Mm, like that was sure. deep ideology that, yeah. that God had clearly ordained the rulers to rule or else they wouldn't be ruling. Mm. And I just, I just wondered if any of that had started to kind of started to kind of decay around this time with um, uh, just with, with different kind of uh, competitive claims to authority, just like all over Europe, uh, Europe during this period, whether any, whether anyone responded to that with a, is there maybe a sense of like, of kind of competing competing claims to authority because if there is then how can that be divine appointment does that does that make sense there i mean the the peasant rebels obviously had uh, decided that maybe they were not uh, destined to be uh, divinely uh, demanded to be you know prostrate before these people mm. there were a number of, of of more radical protestant sects that emerge that attempt to challenge worldly structures of power uh the one that none of the mainstream currents of protestantism accepted the one that was outside of everyone's uh uh, bound of acceptance were the anabaptists Mm. uh because while luther denied a number of the the sacraments of the catholic church as not being biblical uh and the swiss calvinists who came a little later uh extended that even further and uh luther and uh the calvinists broke over the Eucharist, mm. uh, which Luther insisted had a divine presence to it, but which the uh, the Swiss said, no, they can't be. Uh, Ulrich Zwingli uh, did a debate with Luther where he said, it says in the Bible, God, it, uh, Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, which means he can't be in the bread, because he can't be at two places at once. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Luther had this uh, sense that there was something in the uh the Eucharist, I think because he was trying to hold on to that old Catholic social church mm. that the Calvinists were in the process of uh, uh, dissembling in their different uh, economic and uh, social context. But the one thing that both of them agreed on is infant baptism, which is also not in the Bible, mm-hmm. was sacrosanct. That there would be, they're, they're not going to stop baptizing babies because the baptism of the of a child is an introduction into a political uh, world mm. as a subject, and the people who came and said, "Actually, no, you you should have to willingly make the choice as a free believer to take on uh take on uh baptism uh, into a church." Mm. They became known as Anabaptists, and they were uh they were outlawed basically everywhere that they emerged uh, in. 
in Switzerland, the penalty for espousing Anabaptism was to be tied up and thrown in the river. Uh, and but they they existed as these as this radical fringe on the margins of European society uh, until there was a coup in the city of Munster where Anabaptists took power through the civic uh, administration. And they were very quickly surrounded by a papal military force and besieged. And over the course of a year, uh, went through this millenniary frenzy of starvation and forced polygamy and execution of unbelievers that resulted in the leaders being uh, tortured, murdered, and then hung from cages in the cathedral in the city uh, as a warning to anyone else. And the, the only real, uh, after that, the only concentrated elements of Anabaptists uh, in Europe were small groups of uh, people who were able to live together uh, on the lands usually of sympathetic nobles and who largely emigrated to North America uh, in the 17th and 18th centuries. Like, the uh, Mennonites and Amish are all remnants of the Anabaptist movement. Oh, that's so Europe. interesting. Oh, that's that, that's mm. that's that's super interesting. I was actually gonna, I was going to ask some further questions about like, like just like stuff about um about the Eucharist. Like th these are like these are like debates which are which are go which are going on and have been going on for for centuries. What like the what like the exact nature of me, the exact nature of transubstantiation and the exact nature of uh of of God and the connection between the like who is the who is the Father who is the Son who is the Holy Ghost etc. Um, so pre so presumably he had a kind of he had a kind of significant debate tradition to draw on or did he see him or did he see himself as 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 the as the one guy who had who had got it right and wasn't influenced by anyone. Uh, I mean, he obviously was influenced by other writers, like Erasmus was an important figure, although they broke uh, uh, with each other because Erasmus was not willing to go against the church. Uh, he was not willing to come into conflict, and uh, Luther eventually decided that he was a coward. Uh, and Erasmus's, uh, Erasmus's point about Luther was that Luther was... Uh, Luther's entire conception was a, a bunch of contradictions, a, a bunch of paradoxes between things like free will and God's grace that he uh, was comfortable to just live within and to struggle with and, and have that stand in for uh, a, a, a life of uh, religious piety. Mm. Uh, and Erasmus said, uh, uh, Luther's paradoxes, I would not be willing to be burned for any of them. Um, but Luther did become convinced of his singular uh, appointment as the arbiter mm -hmm. of biblical truth, uh, and that is why he became so uh, hostile to not just the, the papacy, but to reformers who went against his understanding of the church. Uh, I just clicked on the Luther insulter again. <laughs> uh, you are desperate, thorough arch rascals, murderers, traitors, liars, the very scum of all the most evil people on earth. You are full of all the worst devils in hell, full, full, and so full that you can do nothing but vomit, throw, and blow out devils. Amazing. You also love talking about shit. 
he was fixated on feces. He talked about uh, how having the devil smell his shit. Uh, he's he a true himself, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Scatological. He, he had he he had the embryo of everything that uh, became <laughs> the language of mm. uh, of 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 literary combat. You so cowardly he, slave! Yeah. You corrupt sycophant with your sickening advice. Mm. These days, people just post an image of a Wojak. Uh, they don't have like a way with words anymore. I think that's really sad. Um, but what I was going to ask was about because uh, I think the point that you made about Luther sort of thinking that he ultimately like sort of has it right. I don't know whether like the right kind of way to put it is he sort of like solved the contradictions or he sort of refuses to kind of believe that those contradictions exist. But I suppose I wondered about, and this kind of ties in not only to like the posting tendency, but just the idea of the thesis as a post in and of itself, because obviously one of the things that you can't like, you, the, the, the sort of longevity of this moment of time and in history in part comes from the advent of like the printing press and the ways in which like the written word and its distribution is kind of much more widespread in this moment than, uh, than, uh, than before. Uh, and I guess I wondered, because from what I've read, and I, I don't know if I'm wrong, so please correct me if I am. Uh, Luther didn't like print out loads of copies of this and so, sort of like distribute them around the town, right? Like the whole kind of, the, its distribution wasn't really because he intended it to be that way. And that sort of made me wonder whether he was necessarily expecting, whether he intended to kind of be the face of uh, this sort of like anti-indulgences movement. I know, as you've mentioned, like there have been previous people, there were there were previous like figures who spoke out against indulgences, maybe not in as kind of like as direct a way as Martin Luther does. But I guess my question is like, did did he kind of do this going out to be like these guys, uh, you know, these guys who have sort of spoken out about indulgences before, they're pussies, I've got it right, I'm going to go for it. Um, and or or is it or is this kind of like virality, so to speak? Um, accidental. It was, he, once he started publishing things, he took a very keen interest in seeing his works published and published well. He would, uh, he was actually very frustrated with, uh, initially, because there was only one press in Wittenberg, which was, uh, it existed as a vanity project of the elector. And there was a, uh, the printer there was a kind of slow, uh, dowdy, uh, not terribly inspired guy who didn't work very quickly. And Luther was very frustrated with his pace of output. And eventually they had to outsource some publication of some work to other publishers in other cities to get them out as fast as they wanted them to. And he would also look at the layouts and he would criticize things. If he didn't like the, the, the type, if he didn't, if he thought it was sloppy, he, he would be a, uh, a, uh, he, very annoyed, and he would offer corrections. He was very uh, hands-on in the publication of the works. He he grasped very quickly that the success of his project was going to come down to how uh, effectively they were able to get these things off of printing presses and into people's hands. Mm. And also the appeal, the visual appeal necessary to get people to want to buy them. That's interesting. So were they... Um... Was there a kind of process of, of sort of book binding, and was there a kind of was there a marketing aspect um, to to do his work that he was sort of, that he was yeah, taking an uh, interest in? Th there was another guy in Wittenberg, Lucas Cranick, who was this uh, who was a uh, 
painter and illustrator. Uh, is that made, Cran- is that wood- Granite? Granite, the one who did the the paint the painting of Venus with the with the hat. I I don't know about a Venus with a hat. Uh, okay, I'm gonna look that. I'm gonna look that up. Please, yeah. please, please, uh, please keep telling might, me I mean, about he this. He's pretty famous. That's so probably him. But he had this huge uh, uh, facility in Wittenberg, and he ended up becoming a close collaborator with Luther. And his front pieces became very crucial to the popularity of Luther because it provided these this eye-catching uh, visual tableau that people responded to and, and helped them want to buy the stuff. So, he, and, and, and pretty soon, portraits of Luther became uh, things that people bought. And so Luther's name and Luther's face became a brand that could guarantee sales. And and Cranach's helped create the visual vocabulary. So he's not that. the first. He's not the first poster. He's the first influencer. Yeah, that's super interesting. <laughs> this is this is Cranach that I'm that I'm, that I'm that I'm thinking of. Yeah, it's a it's a painting of Venus. She's wearing a big hat. Um, Cupid is being stung by wasps and is complaining to her. It's a good painting. It's a good painting. Good painting. Yeah. Worth, worth yeah. a. I mean, I, I was I was just thinking about that. You were, yeah, the idea of Luther as an influencer. I think is actually this is is very funny. Yeah, like the the idea of him having merch. I think that you could. He did. Yeah. You could, uh, yeah. He was also yeah. signing autographs for people. People would send them pictures of his face and ask him to return it with his signature on it. This was all very the very first modern celebrity in a lot of ways of Europe. Yeah. He also invented podcasting in a way. Oh no! <laughs> because one of there his, we go. One of his publications was a book. This was after he'd been. Uh, this is after he had become this uh, institution. Uh, was a book called Table Talk, and it was a transcription of his uh, conversations that he had at his dinner table with guests. Oh my god! Uh, there would be a student there, uh, dutifully writing down what he said. And then yeah. they compiled it and turned it into this book, and it's him just shooting. That's so shit. funny. So what if we so had funny. like? So what if we like? Okay, like it's not. It doesn't have any topic. It's just like, just like the guys just like shooting the shit, and that's it. That's the show. That's the whole show. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, he invented that. <laughs> that's in, that's incredible. Um, and I like honestly, I'm not sure that um, I'm not sure that the answer to this is like necessarily completely clear. But just wondering if you had any thoughts about it. Um, where did he think that his um, that his kind of revelations about the nature of divinity and the nature of the church and the nature of um, nature of uh, the final destination of the soul? Where did he think it came from? Did he think that he had reasoned it out, or did he report visions or um, being addressed directly by God or an angel or something of that kind? There's an apocryphal tale that he received a revelation about the nature of grace, which is what really felt liberated him, because he had been tormented by his uh, his doubt that 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 a wretch like him could be saved, uh, and that made his relationship with his his religion very fraught, mm. and he felt uh, eventually he came to this epiphany about grace, uh, and God's grace is this. This is a free gift that we, we, we are free to accept. Mm. Uh, and the apocryphal story is that he had this revelation while on the toilet, <laughs> training to shit, because uh, Luther was notorious for his uh, constipation, which honestly might explain his, might explain his uh, fixation. Yeah. He was always 
sitting on a dump that he couldn't get out. Uh, yeah, well, he's I he's all. He, I was going to say he's he's been he's like had experience going through hell, and the idea that someone can simply pay their way out of it is just unfathomable, uh, and he's not having it. So that's yeah. what he thinks. That's like what he thinks an indulgence he, is. It's people paying. It's people paying to not have constipation. I do like the idea of him being unburdened and, and in that <laughs> release, <laughs> coming into this recognition. I don't think he ever. Uh, testified to like seeing visions or anything but he did have a few uh uh uh, like religious epiphanies the the big one was when he was a law student before he became a a monk uh he was walking uh to his family's house from his uh university and he got caught in a rainstorm uh, and he took shelter under a tree while lightning was flashing all around him and he vowed that if to God that if he was spared, that he would dedicate his life to the church. Mm. Uh, again, that might be uh, apocryphal rewriting of history from a, a later perspective, but that's how he narrativized it. Because mm. yeah, it's, it's interesting because I always I always associate uh, stories of kind of visions and uh, kind of explicitly divine inspiration as being sort of more strongly associated with kind of female religious figures. Certainly in the certainly in the kind of late medieval period, but I just don't I just don't, I don't know how, I don't know whether that's a kind of vibes only opinion or whether that whether that has any kind of basis. I'm just interested in where he in where he said that where he thought that it that it came from because he was he was educated to the best possible standard of the of the time, right? He was sent off, yeah. wasn't he? Sent off to yeah, he was sent off to. To law school and to train as a theologian wasn't it? his family were extremely disappointed that he decided to become a monk that's right isn't it yeah they they, they his father was a my uh, was a uh independent miner who became a, a a town grandee but he was always uh just a step ahead of getting his uh claim taken because he never owns a mine that he worked it was always leased so he was just precariously in this new middle class, his son becoming a lawyer and then becoming a imperial bureaucrat was the ticket to the family's uh, long-term financial stability. And for him to turn his back on it was a real blow. Mm. Um, because that, because that's interesting, because that's interesting to me as well, that because he was, uh, cause he wasn't from, he wasn't from a, a well-off or noble family. So it's it's interesting that he is that he so violently rejects the idea of social reorganization alongside alongside church reorganization. Is it because he doesn't want to associate himself with it? Well, he thinks it's anarchy. He thinks mm. that if if we don't have the uh, the social order, that it will mm. only be replaced by licentiousness by everyone pursuing their own base fallen urges because we are all sinners. Mm. We need to be directed towards uh, the good, and mm. that that our uh, placement in a society of orders is what disciplines us in that direction. And mm. um, what what yeah. other what other kinds of things would he have um, would have would he have studied before before his his revelation and before becoming a monk? Well, I mean, he he dropped out of law school and then mm. went into the, the theology, so he would have gotten the theological. Uh, uh, education, which is the, the Greek language, which he was proficient in, and 
and uh, the the whole the suite of um, of the uh, <clears throat> liberal humanities mm -hmm. that were taught at these uh, universities at that time. So yeah, that's what he would have known. He would have had the same education uh, in the, that respect as, as pretty much any other uh, uh, churchman of the era. So if he's so if he's if he's studying um, if he's studying the, the the liberal humanities, that in, that in, that includes that includes Aristotle, presumably. Yeah. Yeah. Would did he have did he have any thoughts about the use of uh, pagan figures in in education, or was this not just not something that he was interested in at all? I actually don't know. Oh, fair enough. No, I'm just no, I'm just interested. I just want because like because there's a because there is a because there is a, a, a while we're talking about sort of debates around kind of purgatory, there was a was a debate about whether or not um, pre-Christian individuals were knocking around knocking around hell or whether or whether they weren't because it wasn't like they had the choice. And this and this is his this is his primary objection. Well, not his primary objection, presumably because his primary objection was. Um, founded on, um, I mean, again, like we're talking when you're talking about how his um, feeling about the divine right of kings is just—it's completely—it's like unconscious. It's like it's kind of part of the part of the furniture and part of the atmosphere, and that's presumably the case with um, hostility to Germany's Jews as well. It's a kind of it's a kind of structurally, culturally, socially entrenched thing. But as far as I can tell, his objection to the to the Jews was of course, of course they're not going to convert because we have this terrible, corrupt, decadent church. But once we've come up with a new, better one, which um, which you know is kind of is which kind of gives edicts that an ordinary person can read and engage with because um, of how central uh, central the language of the of the scriptures was to his his ideas but then after they had something better to convert to and they still were like no no thank you i that's when the hostility starts right yeah, yeah. yeah. his early writing on jews is like you said it's like who, who could blame them for not accepting uh christianity when its representation is this fallen luciferian church but mm. later in his career he writes uh very uh hostile mm. uh, uh pamphlets calling for uh, jewish settlements to be burned and for the Jews to be persecuted because he, they had now had the option of a godly church that they were still continuing to deny, and mm. therefore they needed to be punished for that. Yeah, that's mm. more more po more posters behavior there, right? Like, <laughs> like okay, I get it. I get like you're not into it now, but now that I've said something, I feel like you should maybe be should maybe be more into it. That's not to diminish the uh, the probable effects of that, of course, but. Um, but mm. yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that, that's super interesting. Yeah. I'm just, I'm, I'm just interested. I'm interested like what his kind of, what his conception of, um, of, you know, who was, who was going to be, um, who was going to be forgiven and who, and who wasn't and whether, and whether he thought that there was a, uh, kind of corrupting effect of studying pre-Christian figures or whether that didn't sort of really come into it for him, but you know. I'm sure. I'm sure he wrote about that somewhere. It feels like, feels like he did a lot of <laughs> scribbling. He was a prolific. He was a prolific poster. He was a forum power was, user. Yeah. Mm. Well, I, I had like a quick question also just about 
in terms of him being a poster and also one of the things that motivates posters throughout history is your haters right and oh, yeah. i don't know his, I don't his know. haters were his motivators that's right um and i you mentioned a few in terms of like the kind of people who sort of showed up after after the 95 thesis and kind of like tried to do what he was doing and he was like no you can't like i'm i'm right and you guys like suck can you stop doing can you stop helping but there was one guy who i was reading about very briefly this morning who i'd love to sort of find out more about and i i don't know whether i'm pronouncing his name correctly um johan tetzel who uh, yes. was the pamphlets guy but was supposed to be the kind of pro indulgences and so well, he was uh, they were having like a was, pamphlet war right well he was the uh dominican friar who was in charge of the uh indulgence campaign that set Luther off because uh, it was a specific campaign of indulgence right, okay. that was carried out by a, a local bishop who was trying to pay off the Pope for allowing him to hold two bishoprics and he was going to pay it off in part by selling these indulgences and the way they would do it is that they would they would commission a, uh, a, a guy like Tetzel who was a monk to go around and, and sell them. And he was a traveling indulgence mm. salesman. Uh, and mm. and he, <laughs> he would go to towns, he would go to villages, and he would make his pitch to the people about why they needed to buy these things. And he would get a percentage. And uh, the thing that L Luther's uh, claim is that he would say, a, 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 a drop, every drop of a coin, when a, a drop of a silver in a box rings, a soul from purgatory springs. Uh, and in the initial phase of his posting wars, uh, Luther went all in uh, on Tetzel and, and dragged him for filth, as the kids said. Mm. <laughs> and, and, and Tetzel did try to defend himself at first, but he was just uh, absolutely overwhelmed. Uh, all of the, the Catholic interlocutors who tried to engage Luther uh, in the early days end up getting steamrolled specifically in the marketplace. No, no one buys their pamphlets. Uh, they only mm. buy Luther's pamphlets uh, owning them. <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah, that feels like very sort of posters mentality. So I guess like what, what happened, like, is there anyone who does show up who, uh, who can like challenge Luther in any way? Like, um, yeah. So like, I've been thinking a bit about just like, posters and haters and like the kind of uh how, how they sort of feed off each other and i guess the question that i have for luther we know about some of his haters but what do what do his haters throughout time kind of look like do they change like as he becomes more famous and like what are the things that they have issues with uh do does anyone try to challenge him yeah like what who 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 are the haters, the haters and the motivators so one of his uh first big opponents in in the public debate sphere was this guy johan eck uh, he was a philosoph uh, professor of philosophy, uh, uh, and he uh, attacked uh, Luther on behalf of German Catholics because one of the things that ha Luther had uh, to his advantage was that he could paint the church as this foreign force, this Italian uh, imposition on Germany. And Eck was a German, and he uh, debated. Uh, Luther in public in 1519 uh, and uh, then they continued their debate into uh, the publishing world uh, but again uh, 
Eck could not handle, could not hang with uh, Luther mm-hmm. in the in the world of uh, the, the the market. That they, they they just own the hell out of them. Mm. Uh, and then, as I said, he kind of broke with Erasmus uh, over the <clears throat> degree of conflict that he was willing to um, have with the church. Uh, and eventually he ends up going from arguing with Catholics to arguing with other reformers who wanted to go farther or in different directions from him. Uh, he uh, had a big disputation with Ulrich Zwingli from, uh, from Switzerland. Um, so he's fighting with everyone, essentially, except for the most doctrinaire Lutherans who <laughs> agree with him on everything. So by the end of his life, he is condemned everyone uh, who mm. took the Reformation in any other direction than what he thought it, it should go. That's so by the end, places, he kind of yeah. stopped fighting with the papacy because he no longer felt like it was a good faith opponent mm. it was a <laughs> uh yeah it was literally antichrist so what's the point of arguing with antichrist yeah and then what because what because what do you do when you're biggest then he hater got, got all of his arguing in against the people who were doing it wrong who were doing reformation <laughs> wrong yeah in, what, in a really what, strange what do way you do when your when your biggest hater turns out to be the antichrist that's like that's like, <laughs> you, like you just sort of fall into a depression at that point in a very strange way, he's almost followed the path of like some of the new atheists who like start out kind of trying to be like logic guys, get like a lot of fame, and now, uh, and I've forgotten about a bunch of them, but like uh, at least two of them recently, though they haven't sort of said that they've kind of converted to Catholicism, do basically say that all their opponents are in fact Satan, mm. and that there's no point engaging with them because they like are of are, are different sorts of beings entirely. So yeah, I got I guess like maybe. Yeah, it's ultimately he follows the poster's journey, you know, and mm. and it's nice to see that that, that sort of legacy has continued to uh, other types of guys. Well, it's what happens when you come close to his own forum. If, if you are fashioning a world you know, entirely out of your own posts, it, you do eventually. <laughs> it does eventually cut you off from mm. everyone else. Yeah, no, that's, for, yeah, that's true. Sick of fans. Yeah, that's true. Maybe, Maybe that's a good way to that's that's a good place to end it. I, I think. think. I think that's uh, some, some I think sage that's bit. a good way, a good yeah, place to end advice. it. I mean, like because uh, because because uh, otherwise, the only the only other thing I had to say was I just had this vision of people like crowding around the cathedral the cathedral door and being like, "Does anyone can anyone tell me what that says?" Because he blocked me. Um, <laughs> that's all I've got. That's all I've got. That's all I've got to offer. So I think it it remains only for us to thank. Thank Matt very very much for coming on to talk to us yeah, about thank- about the first the first real poster. Yeah, thank you so much, Matt. We really appreciate it. Um, obviously, I think most of our listeners will know you from like Chapo. But is there anything you want to plug or any other projects that you're working on that you reckon uh, uh, deserves some uh, highlighting here? Well, if anyone wants to hear more about Martin Luther and the Reformation and then the horrifying century of bloodshed that came after it, uh, we've got a limited series that's wrapping up on. The Chapo Patreon, Hell on Earth. Me and uh, Chris Wade talking about just this stuff. Uh, check it out. If cool. You're we'll, we'll put that in the show notes. Uh, I listened to some of it today. It was really good. Uh, I'm going to listen to the rest of it as I go back home uh, tonight. Um, okay. Thank you very much for listening to this free episode. Uh, we have a Patreon as well. Patreon.com forward slash 10K Post Podcast. We have lots of cool bonus episodes on there. Uh, lots of interviews, fun stuff. Uh, yeah, you have a good time. Five bucks a month. It helps us do this show and also helps us do it without advertising, which is really important to us. 
Um, Phoebe, do you want to plug anything before you uh, head out? Uh, sure. I have um, become more disciplined with putting things on my Substack, which is phoeberoy.substack.com. Um, you can listen to me and Milo's Seinfeld podcast, which is Masters of Our Domain. And you can follow this show on Instagram, which I suggest you do because Twitter doesn't work anymore. Yeah, do that. I keep forgetting to do that. <laughs> like, yeah, follow us on Instagram. We are going to be posting more on there for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, this show is produced by Devon. Follow them at Devon underscore on Earth if you don't already. Also listen to Kill James Bond if you don't do that already. Uh, and on that note, let's close out. So uh, until the next time, we'll see you later. Have a good one. Bye. Bye. Bye.